Welcome back, guys. So we're going to be talking about boundaries today, which should be relevant to both our clients that we work with, as well as us as mental health providers. Um, all of our topics are for clients and our providers. <laughs> but sometimes it's a little bit more, you know, one way, you know what I mean? But sometimes we lean a little bit more. Yeah, I guess we've had a couple that were more towards like providers. Uh-huh. Times. So we'll be talking about boundaries today. <laughs> so, um, yeah. And Carlos, you came in with no notes. I came in with no notes. I don't need notes this week. Um, He's pretty confident about this topic. No, wow. I feel like, yeah, like I can just hop in on this conversation. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Um, uh, but first, just a little bit more about our practice. All right, and we're back. So, uh, yeah, we'll just dive in talking about boundaries. I, I feel like this is, I mean, this is always a relevant topic, but especially during a pandemic, I think it's relevant because everyone is stuck at home with people that they normally get, um, or not say normally, but um, for a lot of us, we get breaks from and we don't. So, um, yeah. So anyway, so anyone would like to start? Um, sure. I don't know. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess for me, the biggest one that pops up for me is, uh, work boundaries. Oh. At work, not, not here, not in, during the pandemic, working at home, working at work. I have to set boundaries very firmly specifically because I'm so soft-spoken and like nice and shy Mm -hmm. people automatically assume that they can um, take advantage of my niceness very quickly Um, and then that's when I have to like you know speak up which I don't mind doing but it's very uncomfortable to to do it like if I could avoid it that'd be good Um, and you would think it would be common sense of certain boundaries. No pun intended. No pun intended. No, fully intended. No, I'm just kidding. Um, You would think it would be common sense of boundaries you should have at work. And, yeah. So my sense is that, that makes total sense. And my sense is that our society, we are so bad with boundaries. I mean, we don't even know where to start. You know, we're not, we're not taught boundaries well. We're not, I mean, whether it's through the media, through our family systems. I mean, there are cases where I think, you know, I, I can't, again, I don't want to, don't want to speak for everybody. I'm sure there are cases where that is very different and proper boundaries are taught and someone carries that through their lifespan. That's lovely. I don't think that is the norm. And right. based on your work experiences and granted, maybe some of it's related to those particular work experiences, those particular companies. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's probably a big part of it is that there really isn't like, quote, common sense when it comes to boundaries. And it would be nice if there were, but there isn't. Yeah. yeah. I think for for me, it's because I'm so hyper aware of other people's um, emo- emotions and just other people's, I don't know what the word is, the comfortability. Mm. I guess like I'm always I don't ever want to be the one to step out of bounds so it's common sense for me but so it's weird when people do it to me it's like you're obviously doing something inappropriate yeah why see that's what stands out with boundaries though because 
so a recurring theme I'll hear from my clients is like, well, why do I have to set this boundary? It's obvious. And mm-hmm. everyone's marker of like the quote unquote obvious boundaries can be so different. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes, that goes back a lot to like, how were you raised? So with boundaries, I think it's different for everybody. And we can often fall into a hole of assuming that other people are going to know where our boundaries are. Um, and I think that's related a lot to how we were raised or norm for our culture or society that we're kind of existing in. Yeah, absolutely. It makes me think too about, and Carlos, you and I were talking about this the other day, maybe even just a few days ago, but um, this comes up in, in relationships a lot where people are, or, or a, a uh, I was particular couple. Can I tell the story first? So um, I wasn't even going to go into the context, but um, where a particular couple will be struggling with a communication where they're, um, I remember now what you said, Um, uh, where the one partner will make this assertion that, well, my partner should, should know me, my, my, you know, boyfriend or whoever they, they should, they should know um, what my needs are. They should know, you know, and it comes up a lot with sex. It comes up all the time with sex. And I, that is yeah. such a, like a Hollywood media infused thing that, Oh, he's just, you know, they're going to know me, you know, or she's just going to understand. She's just going to like, and not that there can't be natural overlap with things. And that's a lovely when that happens, but mm-hmm. yeah, there's going to be stuff that you have to communicate. And I think people are brought up and like, kind of going back to what you're saying, I'm we're brought up. Like, that's like a bad thing. Like, it's like, yeah. you know, well, if I have to explain it, then this isn't, and I had, I've had so many, clients and relationships like on the brink in part because of that idea of like yes oh well you know if i have to, to keep you know saying this if i have to explain you know what my needs are you know this maybe isn't the relationship for me and it's like you're gonna be sorely disappointed you know absolutely you know and, and again not that you can't find some natural overlap but yeah i so yeah I, I appreciate you sharing that emma because i think we we see that um yeah we see that in that way for sure um mm-hmm. i'm you, glad you brought up sex because i feel like sex as a topic with boundaries and with you know triggers everything sex can kind of be the thing that overlooked which is shocking to me because of how much it overlaps with so many things um and communication is a key example of that yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah absolutely you can always say no at any point Mm -hmm. is the first thing that comes to mind Mm. is um people just automatically assume Yes, I started to agree to have sex with someone. I started to get weirded out. I wanted to stop, but I didn't feel like it was okay for me to say, no, stop. Because I already gave him consent or her consent at first. Mm, If you want them to stop, if you want them to stop, tell them to stop. And if they don't stop, there's a problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, and that's, yeah, absolutely. And that's, a, I think, a great example because then that gets into the, the whole uh, informed consent, which I know that's something that is, um, especially over the last few years, has been much more highlighted in the news and we're, we're taking, yeah. I think, a stronger look at, which is, I think, really good. And, and granted, there's still a lot of dysfunctional societal norms around this. But um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Carlos. Another common one with that, too, and again, going back to boundaries, is um, someone feeling as though they have to explain. And again, this happens with sex. It happens with someone says, whether they say no to sex or whether they, they're expressing the sexual needs, but even in general, boundaries in general, mm-hmm. this, yeah. this need to explain, right? Yeah. And what I, I, the way I'll describe it with my clients is we're sort of entering the sort of like courtroom dynamic, right? Where you have to basically put your case on defense and, mm-hmm. um, and it happens in family systems and between people all the time. But um, it's really dysfunctional because the problem with that is that, I mean, for one, I would make the argument 
So I'm gonna put I'm gonna put some like absolute statements out here. So and you may not agree. Oh. And I've actually I've actually had clients like I went into the like, conversation with the clients about this and it's been hopefully beneficial, I think. Um I would make the argument that one does not owe an explanation about their boundaries at any point. There's just there's no there's no point. Now what someone might do is they might share an explanation about their boundaries because they want to share an explanation about their boundaries. So for example, you know, I um, you know, I need to uh make my work schedule in this way. And I just know that that's the best thing for my career and what I need to do. I need to share that with my partner. And I'm kind of setting a boundary there because I'm, I'm kind of just saying what my professional needs are and what I'm doing with that. Am I just going to tell him and say, and if he asks why and just be like, well, no, I don't have to tell you. No, of course I'm going to share it with him. And he, I think he should know the reason behind that. But that's very different than owing someone an explanation. Like in that case, like based on our relationship and because I live with him, for me, there's a matter of there's some respect in that. Like there's a number of things in that that I would want to communicate to him and that would be important. And that would cause right. problems if I didn't communicate it to him. It would not be, uh-huh. you know, helpful. Um, but as a general rule, you know, I don't think we owe people explanations for these boundaries. And you mentioned again with sex and saying no to sex is like, yeah, someone could have 18 million reasons why they don't want to have sex with someone. That's no one else's business. <laughs> of course, all of this is ideal, right? People are put in positions Absolutely. where they, right, they're, they're pressured to, you know, and they, they feel that. Um, and that's very real. You want to jump in? No. Oh, he, he, he likes like lean forward. Oh, no, really, just fidgety. Oh. Um, yeah. But yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, does that make sense? What is that? Oh my gosh, it's such a common theme of trying to convince the person you're setting a boundary with that your boundary is valid mm-hmm. it's kind of how yes. it plays out for so many people and just even that concept of something very personal to me has to be approved by somebody mm-hmm. else uh, it might be a silly example but like tickling i mm-hmm. hate being tickled that's a great example i don't care if other people think that it's fun or funny I feel trapped. I feel very uncomfortable if somebody is tickling me. And if I think to the early relationship between me and my husband, um, I mean, we were teenagers and he tickled me a few times. And at first I was trying to be chill, which I think mm. also speaks to that societal pressure mm. of like, why could I not just set the boundary immediately? Yes. Oh, I don't know. Cause I'm young in a new relationship and a whole host of other things. But, um, kind of eventually setting that boundary with him. And luckily he's a super receptive guy. Um, but there, I felt that need like, Oh, I'm supposed to explain more. Like, Oh, I feel trapped and here's why. Well, no, I, I, I didn't really need to, I could just say, Hey, I really don't like it when you tickle me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, you know, I, and I didn't normalize, like, I get that it's a fun and funny thing for you, but I'm not having fun. Like, mm-hmm. This isn't enjoyable. And you just immediately like, okay, cool. Won't do that again. Yeah. Um, and I think that being, I'm going to use the term being with somebody, but I don't even mean necessarily romantic relationship. It's just like being in a space with another person who can hear your boundary and respect it goes so far. Like those are the relationships that, that can be nurtured in a more like healthy way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. It's one of my biggest biggest pet peeves of um social stuff is when i say something and i automatic and people are automatically like oh but why or one that really Uh bugs me is like if someone asks you to hang out and you say no i can't oh but why can't you i know you you don't have to do anything tomorrow or i know you know you have some free time or like 
So, so what? Like then that that encourages me to become an asshole and say, fine, I don't want to spend time with you tomorrow. Do you can you leave me alone? Mm-hmm. And then it like creates a weird like relationship where you seem like a jerk for saying no because mm-hmm. they just can't accept the fact that you said no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self care is a very valid reason to say no because yeah. I know like for myself there are times where love my friends. I just don't want to see people. Like I just want downtime. I want to hang out at home in my pajamas, maybe. Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's an okay reason. Like if it's what I want to do, it's okay. Yeah. So yeah, I totally hear you on that, Carlos. Mm-hmm. Can't stand that. Yeah. <laughs> we had a close friend of ours who um, she had to navigate that with uh, one of her coworkers. Um, and essentially, long story short, she had spent time with this person. They just did not. It just wasn't working. It wasn't, it wasn't healthy for her. She moves away from it. Um, and that's a sense. I mean, he did that, but like times 10, right? He did it yeah. like over and over, over and over and was like, just very much like trying to convince her, you know, and it's like the moment that you find yourself convincing someone to engage in that way, like the moment you like you're off track, like you've, like you're, you're, you're gone. Like that's, but this guy kept pushing and pushing. And so finally she ended up having to be very direct with him after she'd already said no various times and saying, listen, I do not want to see you anymore. I do not want to. And she didn't want to have to do that. Like that was really, you know, but you know, and I'm, it made sense that she did and it and it worked. But, um, so I hear you with that, Carlos. Like I remember she was really frustrated with that and, um, you know, she had to go through a lot. And I think anyone in that position, having their boundaries infringed upon in that way, it, it takes an emotional toll. It right? does. It really it's, does. It's exhausting. You know, and that's, that's, that's some of the pressure that people face, right? It's that, and again, I know this is also, this happens, you know, in terms of racism, it happens in terms of sexism. In terms, there's all these intersections that play into this. Um, but in general, I think that the position that someone is put in with something like this, it's, you know, right, either you're going to have to go through this really tiring process of maintaining your boundary. And is it worth having to go through that process of having to do it over and over and over again? Or do you go through the thing that you don't want to go through, whatever that might be? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, that's just a really so that's a real thing. I don't necessarily have an easy answer to that. But like, that's a that's an issue that people and even clients I work with trying to set boundaries sometimes run into. It's like, well, I've I have told them no. I have been very clear. I did hang up the phone. I did shut the door. And then they knocked again. And then they called me again. And, you know, and aside from like cutting off all communication, which I don't, I'm not really a big fan of telling my clients to do that with their social networks. Um, yeah. it, it does. It gets to a point where it's like, okay, well, you know, and again, we're going into more extreme examples, but these things happen all the time. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, so like, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah. That's it plays into people's social, social anxiety, hardcore, because it's mm-hmm. like, um, can you set the boundary and avoid confrontation or do you just give in, go hang out with them and be in a social situation you don't want to be in? So it's like, either way, you're going to be social, you're going to be socially anxious because yeah. one, you either have to like set, set a boundary that you don't want to do or two, you go hang out with someone you don't want to hang out with that particular day. Yeah. Yep. And that's what's exhausting about it. It's because because you're either spending energy doing one or the other. But no, now you're spending energy like playing all this out in your head. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah. Right up my wheelhouse. <laughs> <laughs> Hate anxiety. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. But you're right. I mean, it, it does tie into, I mean, yeah, various mental health issues. And I think that's a really, that's a, that's a prime example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, why don't we take a break? Okay. We'll do a spotlight and we'll come back.
So today we're going to highlight Emma Cranston. She is a licensed mental health counselor with Common Sense. Uh, she runs her own practice and she is full-time in her own practice and primarily specializes in uh, client-centered therapy. Um, uh, specifically, she subscribes to, I believe, although she can correct me if I'm wrong, um, I believe more so like a sort of like uh, Carl Rogers approach. Um, she also is a bit structured in her approach and uh, will use CBT techniques and, and sort of other structured assignments with her clients. But generally, she believes in her clients leading the session. And she's very, um, and having supervised her in a variety of capacities, I can speak to this, she is very flexible with her clients and meeting them where they're at and letting them define their own goals. Um, so overall, great therapist to work with. Uh, and she's currently taking CDPHP insurance. She'll be taking more insurance panels um, probably in the months and years to come. But right now she's taking CDPHP as well as self-pay clients um, and of course offers tele and tele only um, for the time being. And we're back. So uh, Emma, you had something you wanted to kick us off with. I have some things as well, but I'll, I'll save those for a moment. Okay. Um, it actually kind of coincides really well with what you were just saying, Carlos, mm -hmm. about um, Boundary setting is not a one-time deal. And in all of my work with clients, I try to reiterate this because I think um, sometimes it's presented as, oh, you set the boundary and then it's done and it's fine. Uh, but there's there's kind of like stages of boundary setting. So I'm initially setting the boundary, but then I'm going to have these times of maintaining that boundary. Um, and it, it's not always going to be malicious. You know, maybe I set the boundary that I don't like being tickled, but somebody forgot because they're around a bunch of people who tickle. I don't know. That's weird sounding, but whatever. Um, and they tickle me and I have to kind of maintain, oh, okay, like I really don't like it when you do that. Please don't. Um, and it, it isn't necessarily because they don't respect me or they uh, discount what I say. Sometimes it's just their life experiences are different, which kind of goes back to that piece about how it's, it's not always common sense, what, what each other's boundaries are going to be. Um, so with any boundary setting, there's kind of this um, pressure of responsibility to keep it going. Um, and with the hope, of course, that if I set that boundary with somebody a couple times or, you know, a few times, I'm not going to give a number, uh, they kind of encode that and remember and will start maintaining their own boundaries with that person. Um, but it is not a one-time deal. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Um, because it could be a very innocent, like mm -hmm. what comes to mind is, um, our trans clients when they try and set the boundary with people mm -hmm. they meet and they say, they give them their pronoun mm -hmm. and you know, in the future, someone messes up the pronoun. It's like, that's a fantastic example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's something you, you can expect because it doesn't, it's not gonna, you know, stick right away. Mm -hmm. Um, and you kind of just have to work with the person. Well, and that's, and I think this is, I really like where you're both going with this because here's a, a great differentiation um, between that and what we were talking about earlier, where you're having to reiterate your boundary to someone who's essentially not listening to it, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And well, that can happen in the situation too. Well, exactly. So, like, there's a difference though, right? Yeah. And I, I, like, I like how you describe that because, right, in a lot of cases, when someone is going by a name and pronouns that, um, a pronouns. That's not how, that's not, how that is. um, but you know what I'm saying? Um, when, when, when someone is navigating that process and, and whether it's within the family system or it does take time for people to adjust and to, to get used to that. And it's one thing if you have, um, and I cannot speak from personal experience, but just from what people have, uh, shared with me, 
it's one thing if your loved one is clearly making an effort and pushing themselves and challenging themselves and yeah. getting it right most of the time. And then when they have a slip up, they're catching it themselves. They're, they're clearly being very conscious about it. They're not just like, oh, I guess I'll do that. And then just not doing that or, you know, that they're not, but there's a difference there. And if, if that person is actively engaging with you and trying to respect that boundary, my, my sense is that the, it's probably a bit different to then have to reset the boundary with someone yeah. who's doing that with you versus someone who clearly is not respecting that and clearly is just not even trying, it's not even, you know, like that's, so I think that highlights that difference very well. Um, and I think that's the case across the board with this stuff. It's like, yeah, it's one thing to have to reset it or to set it again with someone who maybe did it great for, you know, they followed your boundary for several months and then they forgot and slipped back into an old pattern versus someone who's continuously just, you know, just not listening or following it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Disregarding how you feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I guess I would throw in there too with this and not that this, you know, not everyone would necessarily want to do it this way. But I think this also goes back to, this is not clinical really at all, but listening to one's gut with some of this mm-hmm. where it's like, cause we also, I mean, I can't dictate that for anyone. I can't dictate the line between, okay, this person is like, you know, trying and you're working with them versus, you know, okay, I'm just tired of setting this boundary. Like I've done it 18 times and I'm not doing it again. And I'm not one to dictate that for anyone aside from myself. So, right. you know, so, I mean, I think that's something that's important here too. And it makes it hard. And I think this is where people understandably struggle. Cause it's like, well, at what point am I setting it too much? Am I setting it too little? Should I be more outspoken? Should I, you know, um, should I give this person the benefit of the doubt or should I, you know, be more annoyed or upset or, you know, it's, it's not clear. There's no guidebook to that. Um, so kind of listening to one's gut and going, okay, you know what? Like, I'm really not feeling okay with this. I feel like I've said it enough times and just being able to listen to that, but that's hard because we're, also taught not to do that either right um yeah you know or we feel like it's led us astray in the past or so yeah so anyway i just wanted to tie that in with that if that makes sense yeah. oh absolutely mm-hmm. no. yeah it, it uh i don't know for some reason what i'm, I'm sorry i was covering my mouth <laughs> i don't know for some reason um what you were just talking about or the way you were saying it because i don't think it's exactly what you were talking about that reminded me of this it's just the way you worded it made me think of peer pressure mm. and, and, and boundaries um, I don't, yeah, I don't know why. Well, what about peer pressure? I don't know. I guess like in high school, um, there was a lot of peer pressure for me anyway to, I, the biggest one for me that I keep coming on, coming on to is hanging out. Mm. Like I was always an introverted, you know, loner kid in high school. And for some reason, <laughs> I had a bunch of people that wanted to hang out with me. And it's like, no, leave me alone. I just want to be alone. Let me eat lunch alone. I don't care. Like, I remember one time I was eating lunch and I'm just sitting there minding my own business, waiting for the bell to ring. And a girl from across the table is like, oh, bendito, he looks so sad. And I'm like, I'm just chilling. Like, <laughs> stop like projecting onto me. Like, I'm just here. Like, do I do that to you? What? that like that dynamic like do i do that to you uh yeah you did it last night i did i was thinking that <laughs> i was like oh you look so sad and you're just like i'm just in bed scrolling on my phone yeah like, like in my bed scrolling through tiktok or whatever and he's like are you okay i'm like yeah he's so like, you, you seem so quiet i'm like i'm just watching videos like i'm fine so i, I don't know i guess i have that presence yeah where i seem like i'm sad all the time <laughs> mm. resting sad face 
But I think what you're saying makes sense, though. It's like people are projecting in that, right? And some of that is societal. Like we have, like, for example, someone sitting yeah. alone, right? Yeah. That's that's bad. You don't do that. Right. You're you're isolating. You might be depressed. Yeah. He, he might be. He might. He might not. He's not. He's not okay. And, right. He needs yeah. help. You know. And granted, I mean that is a context, and absolutely that could be happening for someone, but certainly not every time. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of projection happening in that because clearly, you're right, you were fine. In fact, yeah. you preferred that. Yeah, especially yeah. in high school, I did not want to like hang out with anyone. Like I just wanted to get through the day, go home. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. When you talk about that, I think in my case, um, I think more about uh, drugs and, and drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like that was which. Yeah. Yeah. Um, drinking is a big one because like if you specifically just don't drink, yeah. you, you are automatically attacked by your, all your friends or you're judged by your friends or random people for that matter. Yeah. It's like yeah. all your friends order orders like cranberry vodka or whatever. And then it comes to you and you get a water and everyone's like, oh, maybe they have a drinking problem or no, I just don't like to drink. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think about that. And, and I know for me, I don't know. And it was interesting for me because I, I feel like I was, I definitely developed resentments around all of that and again maybe you did too in terms of the social component but i know for me like i had some close friendships where it didn't end the friendship but there were points where i just had like a really negative impression because i'm like man this person always wants me to like take a drink or they make fun of the fact that i don't drink and i'm like you know and it's funny and that's another thing too you look back now it's funny i look back at some of the things I, i i allowed or i put up with when i was in you know high school or and i'm like man if that were me now i would have just told that person like what was up like i just oh, yeah. you know like that would have been a whole different like <laughs> process i would not have but that's easy for me to say now when i'm in that position at that point like yeah. that's obviously that was very different um and i'm not in that position now maybe i wouldn't do that but um yeah and it's like yeah you you i, I don't know looking back on it, i feel like i put up with a lot then, yeah you know I did too. Yeah. I think it just goes back to the introvert, like, anxious thing. Yeah. I just didn't want to, you know, have a conversation. Uh, Go ahead, Emma. I feel like you guys absolutely nailed the high school experience. Um, But, I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't even stick it just to high school. I think that... um, just even societally, there's such an... I'm sorry if you hear the rain on my windows in the background. Um, <laughs> no worries. But it's raining here. Um, I think societally, there is a huge normalization of substance use. Mostly alcohol, but like, you know, coke, marijuana, all of it. Um, and it is very incredibly rainy. <laughs> you can hear it. Wow. I, hear the fence. I think so it was like a tornado warning or something, so... Well, if I stop talking, it's the tornado taking me. Oh, um, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, societally, there's such a normalization of substance use, and it's it's almost seen as a joke in many ways. You know, like there are all kinds of memes floating around, like you know, when my friends say they want to drink with me, oh, you want to get drunk, drunk, kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think societally we would do well to just accept the extent of what we can control. Even if I think somebody would be super fun to drink with, doesn't mean they're obligated to drink for my own enjoyment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely yeah, that was well said. Yep. I agree with that. Absolutely. And I think, and ultimately, 
you know, if, if that is the case where like someone feels as though, and, and yeah, going back to, 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 to what you just shared, Emma, or even the example I shared before, where it's like, you know, I need this person to drink or to engage with me in this to this extent. And they're getting upset that you're not, or they feel as though you need to, or you're, you're, uh, again, this sounds really weird, but somehow you're like infringing on their fun. You know what I mean? Like there's, yeah. there's like this weird kind of like yeah. backwards kind of way of uh, looking at it. If that's the case, that is definitely their issue. Like that is, that is like all wrapped up in their stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing as you have, you know, protesters standing outside of Baskin Robbins in the middle of a pandemic going, I want my ice cream. This is, this is impending on my, on my freedoms. Like it's the same idea, right? It's like, well, no, actually by you being out, you, you could, you're putting other people at risk. You're putting essential Mm -hmm. workers at risk. You're putting people who are less privileged than you at risk, you know, but no, but we're, but they're infringing on your fun. You know, it's the same idea. You know, I'm inconvenienced and I shouldn't be. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This all said, um, not to keep switching gears, but I do have a couple more things just related to. Yeah. Cool. That sounds good. Why don't we stop here and we'll pick up this same topic next week? Uh, see you guys next week. Bye. So thank you once again for listening. Have a great week. And please don't forget to check us out at www.commonsensemh.com. If you're looking for services or to learn more about our providers, we can also be found on Instagram and that's at commonsensemh. That is our handle on uh, Instagram. And uh, yeah, so you can contact us at uh, intake at commonsensemh.com. You can reach out over email uh, and we look forward to working with you.